Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is October 10th, 2018, and my guest on the show is Alaj Schulman, founder and CEO of Segasec. Segasec is a cybersecurity startup focused on cyber intelligence and threat protection. Segasec protects organizations from phishing, farming, and other hacker attacks. Alad is was previously a director of engineering at SAP Success Factors, SAP Success Factors, and prior to that, a general manager at Optier Israel. He holds a bachelor's degree in computer science and an MBA from Bar Ilan uh, University. So, Alad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Angelo. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Segasec and what you guys are working on? So uh, Segasec is uh, a cybersecurity startup. We founded Segasec myself and my partner in the beginning of 2017. As you mentioned, we left uh, SAP, where we spent several years doing security innovation in one of the largest clouds in the world. We looked into the phishing problem as it's being manifested outside of organizations, meaning we're not looking at employees being attacked, we're looking at customers of organizations getting attacked. We started looking into, of course, financial institutions. We started the problem very big there. And around the middle of uh, 2017, we saw that the problem is huge also in the crypto world. So we opened a secondary line of business and we went into this market and we are helping a lot of companies in this uh, area. Oh, okay. So before we talk about the services you're offering in the, as you started offering in the crypto space, let's dig in a little bit and talk about some of the services that you offer in, uh, you know, traditional banking and finance and other business space. So can you expand a little bit on that? Like how that works and what type of threats? So you have anti phishing, brand theft attacks, business email compromise. Can you talk a little more about those services and, and how that works and what type of threats? Yes, definitely. Every organization has several digital channels to interact with their customers. It can be over email, it can be websites, it can be social channels and so on and so forth. The problem is that in today's world where all companies are going digital and all the marketing activities are digital, the hackers themselves also realize that this is a very good playground for them because penetrating into an organization is something which is becoming very, very difficult. But impersonating an organization and basically doing all sorts of social engineering techniques to mislead the end users, the customer of an organization is quite simple uh, and it's definitely very lucrative. So there's a lot of money, a lot of transactions in the traditional world, especially in the financial world. So if someone is getting a message, it can be a text message, it can be an email, it can be a promotion in, in Google, it can be in the social network that there's a special discount or a special offer for a company that he's working with. And it can be banks, it can be retailers, it can be a healthcare that you work with. Basically, there's no specific industry that uh, is being overlooked. Uh, and a user is being tricked into getting into what seems to be a legitimate website, but it looks exactly like the original website that that user is used to going to. That person is getting 
and his credentials inside, logging into the account. He can see everything as he expects it to be, his bank balance or anything else that he's uh, getting into. And basically at that point, that scam had been completed. The hacker already has the credentials and he has full control over the virtual identity of that user. So he can control everything that he's doing. He can manipulate it and basically steal sensitive information. It's not just money, but also sensitive information is in play and the scam is complete. So how do you, do you perform consulting for these companies to assist them in preventing or do you then come in after something has been stolen or compromised and try to resolve the issue afterwards? So it's very important to stress that we are a product, a software company. We're not a consulting company. We're not providing any advice. We're coming to provide a solution to the problem. Meaning that if a company has or suspects that it, it might be exposed to this problem, we're coming in with a suite of solutions, which is based on a lot of technology, a lot of IP that is aimed to both discover these things before they're surfacing, before they're getting to the end users. And once something is formed and is becoming malicious, we are then going ahead and we're fighting it for our customers, meaning that we're not just providing intelligence, we're also taking action. And we are chasing the hackers to take down the malicious assets, to block them so no one can get to them and also deceive them in order to confuse and defuse the attacker. So our solution is actually a managed service, but it's based on software, based on uh, something that we've developed and is coming to provide a solution to this problem from an end-to-end -end perspective, meaning we want to take at least one problem out of many problems in the cybersecurity space that they might have and own it from start to end. That's great. So you have worked with a number of clients and customers in the space, in the crypto space, but also outside of that. So Israel Discount Bank, uh, Mercantile Bank, and partnered with Amazix and Entrosoft. Can you talk a little bit about some of the case studies where you've worked with some of your clients and provided uh, where you feel that your software was uh, an example of where it was most useful for some of your clients and some of the results that it provided? Sure. So I'll talk about uh, two cases, one from the crypto world and one from the non-crypto world. So in the crypto world, we are working with uh, MyEtho Wallet. I guess everyone who's listening here has heard about them. And they are facing hundreds of attacks on a monthly basis across the last uh, year or so. Before working with us, there, a lot of money was stolen from uh, end users. And the attacks keep coming more and more. So there are fake websites on a daily basis, which look like MyEtho Wallet and are basically distributed to users in all sorts of ways. And we are actually chasing them all the time, 24-7, every day, and taking those down. So we're detecting them, we're taking them down, and the goal is to reduce the amount of attacks. And maybe one day we will be able to have a, a result that hackers would move on to a different target because it's not lucrative anymore to attack them. So again, hundreds of attacks on a monthly basis. This is in line with some of the big banks in the world. So small company relatively at, at an early stage, but at a very lucrative 
industry with a lot of uh, money in it is being attacked as Fortune 500 bank. So this is something that we are taking the problem away from them. Before that, the CEO and the team handled it on their own. And right now we are their team of experts to handle it for them. Another example is Fortune 500 Bank, one of our clients in, uh, in Central Europe. We have demonstrated several attacks to them that their systems, and they have a lot of security mechanisms in play, were not able to detect. And I'll uh, share the story. So we have demonstrated to them a fake website, which basically once you log in, you get into your, your account. So it's a dynamic Phishing attack is not a static one, so everything there is is authentic. And a specific scenario was that let's try and transfer funds from account A to account B. We transferred 100 euros from account A to account B, and the claim was that the fraud management systems would catch that transaction, and those didn't. So we went even further and we said, you know what, let's try and manipulate the transaction. Instead of transferring 100 euros from account A to account B, let's transfer 10,000 euros from account A to account C and let's see what happens. And still the systems were not able to detect it. So we actually simulated advanced attacks on them. This is actually a service. And we tested their systems. We trained their systems to adapt to such situations so they would be able also to cope with it internally in case someone gets in. Of course, we're also providing them our detection and takedown capabilities and the full suite. But this is an example of something slightly different with a Fortune 500 bank that we could provide a lot of value to. Wow. And had that security vulnerability or that compromise been taken advantage of by hackers uh, or was that something that had not been... In that specific account, it, it wasn't the case. So we showed them a, a theoretical one that they closed, but we did see this pattern happening in other accounts that were able to take advantage of this hole and basically steal funds from end users. So in the case of my Ether wallet, I mean, I had, well, I was familiar with that, the phishing, the number of the phishing uh, fake. Uh, websites that were popping up that would convince users to, you know, log in through the fake account or the fake uh, website and then their funds would then be compromised or stolen. So in that case, you mentioned there were, you know, hundreds or many of these sites popping up every day. What is the process? Are you manually identifying these sites? Do you have a staff of people that are constantly searching online to God forbid. So as I mentioned, we're a software company and uh, we have our own proprietary technology, which is basically scanning the infinite web in all sorts of places and looking for suspicious events. And we're basically for every account that we are managing, we're collecting millions and sometimes it's many, many millions of suspicious events. And for us, everyone is guilty until proven innocent. So we collect, for example, information on a daily basis of newly registered domains. And we see also websites popping in for all domains and things like that. So we are constantly tracking them. And all those millions of suspects are not necessarily at any point in time malicious. But in order to detect that those are malicious, we need to constantly scan them 24-7 and see 
how they mature and collect forensic evidence on them. And again, a system is doing it. You can't do it for millions and billions of suspects. So a system is constantly looking into it. We also have our advanced machine learning capabilities, which are basically looking and cross-referencing historical attacks that we have analyzed. We're looking for patterns and we are able to automatically identify when an attack is being formed. Then we are moving on to the second phase, which is the response. And then we have some staff which is involved. And this is part of collaboration, a human which is collaborating with the organization. So the champion that is working with them and communicating with them. And also the one to escort the system, which is basically managing the process. But eventually there is a someone, there's an analyst which is escorting the system. We call it, we have the, the red button to strike back actually and we do not let the the machine strike back because once we identify something is malicious and we're going to take it down and block it if there would be a mistake and we do it for a legit website it's something which is catastrophic to a legit business so we can't blame someone which is actually innocent yeah i mean i've been in the space for a while and have seen you know many of, of these deaths happening and it's all too common in the cryptocurrency space yep. and it's just such a target uh, for organized crime to come in and manipulate companies and people and unsuspecting individuals. And I mean, I can't, I think this is probably the highest or this area has, as you said, so much money available and so little security, such unsophisticated levels of security that are being used by most of the actors in the space that it's just such a prime target and it's it's just uh, incredible i mean definitely and every company in this space is being attacked some more some less whether it's those are the exchanges the wallets the icos which are getting attacked a lot everyone is getting attacked because there's a lot of money here the companies are very young and immature in terms of security the transactions are irreversible. It's not like you can go to the bank and tell them, okay, refund the money. Once you've transferred it to a wallet that belongs to a scammer, the, the money is gone. So all of that is making it a really big problem for the crypto world. And the, the attackers are also evolving all the time. So it's a, it's a cat and mouse game all the time. So have you been able to assemble some idea or picture on what type of background the the folks are who are uh, performing these types of phishing or security scams. Uh, I like their at least their, their location, their, their their background. Are they part of like organized crime uh, syndicates with a, a large amount of resources that they control, and or where are they based? What can you tell us about the people who are engaged in these types of activities? It varies, and our goal, as we see it, is, is, is to help the companies and fight it, and we are not chasing the bad guys and trying to figure out who they are, although there are cases that we have enough information on their locations and where they belong to, and if they are part of a known organization, and sometimes we even know the identity of the actors in case they're doing some mistakes. In those cases, we're providing the relevant information to the authorities, but in many cases, they are able to hide themselves quite well, so we're not. And it definitely varies because it's so simple. Of course, there are organizations which are involved in that, and it's happening from 
all across the globe. But you can also see in, in some cases young kids, which are just in their early ages of being a, a very novice hackers and they're using some open source tools that they have found. And it's so easy to launch a simple attack, which would fool some users. Not all the time you need a very advanced one. So you can see very, very young kids which just have a very basic laptop and an internet connection, and they're stealing hundreds of dollars, euros from users across the globe. But it's definitely, it's, it's all over. So you can't say, okay, it's just one picture of, of, a, of a scammer. So are you reporting in the rare cases where you're able to find identifying information? Do you report it to like the local police in their respective jurisdictions or is there like some international body that uh, monitors this? It's both. It's uh, local uh, organizations. It's uh, representatives of governments. It's uh, different law enforcement agencies, including global ones. It depends on the case, and it depends on also the, the process on the other end. Not everyone is really willing to listen. So if you're saying to someone, we found a hacker that stole 1,000 ETH from a specific user, many of them will say, oh, so what? Uh, so it depends if there are agencies and organizations that look for this information and are cooperating. Definitely we're trying to. But again, this is not our focus. But if we can contribute, we will. Our focus is to detect them, to take them down, and to try and keep the organizations we we work with safe. Yeah, I mean, it it seems like it's just this ongoing game, and getting to the root cause of it is, I guess, the the end game would be to make it improper, um, lower the success rate to the extent that it's no longer profitable to continue performing these types of attacks. Definitely, that's the goal. So what type of reductions have you guys seen in some of the, the history of using your software and your service? And uh, uh, what type of success rates do you have uh, in historically? So it depends on the, on the organization we work with. The big ones, which are getting attacked a lot, we're seeing decline. Some of them more significant. Some of them take more time, but we do see a decline, but it takes time. Uh, but if we relate to some of the ICOs that we've worked with, so there is there are many examples of a very specific and focused wave of attacks which can last a few hours and up to a few days. But you really see the pattern that after a specific number of attacks, they're just wearing down and they're moving on to the next victim. And we actually see this. So we both see the attacks on a specific company, specific brand stop. But then we see the attackers using the same infrastructures that they already have and are pivoting to a different organization, which is very interesting to see because you see it live. Uh, for us, it, it also generates an opportunity for us because sometimes it's for a brand that we're not working with, but we see the attackers working so we can come to a potential company and tell them, listen, here is a, uh, an attack which is getting formed. If you don't know about it, deal with it. If you need help with it, if you want to work with us, all uh, even better. If not, go ahead and fix the problem because you are next. And and we really see this this happening in in real time. So, what are some advice that you can give end users or even companies in this space generally for best practices and security measures that they can take? So. First, I'll start with, with the end users, and I'll tell the end users that there are no free gifts in life. 
if there's something which looks too good to be true, it probably is. And don't do anything in a rush. You might find something which they say, okay, this is an offer just for the next 30 minutes. You will miss it. There's a big FUD happening here. Wait, listen uh, to, to your heart, apply some common sense. Nothing will, will change the world if you will wait uh, a few more minutes. And, and be cautious. Look that you're doing what you expect it to be. If someone is sending you a link, be cautious about it. Why are they sending it to you? Do you know that person? What if you search Google for it? Or what if you type it on your own if you know that brand? So try to, to stay alert. And definitely there are a lot of good tools in the market, uh, all sorts of browser plugins, so, so apply them, but, but a lot of common sense. To the companies, I would say everything that I've just told to the end users, a lot of people are not listening to me and they will not hear it. So if you think about educating your community, definitely invest in it, definitely share best practices with your community, but understand that there's a big problem here and if you won't address it, your end users, your, com your community will suffer and eventually it will affect you. So there are companies which say, okay, if the user is stupid enough to press on, on a link, why should I care? But remember that you're trying to build a, a big company, a sustainable company, and then you will have the problem of the big brands. It's not just funds getting lost. Eventually it's a matter of customer trust. It's a matter of your brand reputation. Uh, there are legal implications here. Privacy uh, depends on where you're operating. So you will have the problem, a business problem. It's much more than a security problem. So make sure that you have the right practices. Make sure that you have the right tools for it. And definitely see that you're getting this problem addressed because if you're in the crypto world, it will come. If you're building a big brand, it will come. So don't say it won't happen to me because it will. So when a company comes to you or you reach out to a company and tell them that they're at risk and you think there are some steps that they can take to reduce the risk or uh, manage, what type of engagements uh, do you uh, enter into with your clients? Do you have like monthly fees, subscriptions, upfront fees? Uh, what type of work do you do? It, it, it varies, depends on, on the engagement. So if we're, take, we're sticking to the crypto world, there are uh, ICOs, which will tell us, I want protection just for the phase of the public sale or a bit before, a bit afterwards. And it's a very close project. And afterwards, they're telling us, we're going ahead to build the product. Let's talk again in 6, 12, 18 months. So it might be a very close project. And there we have different models, which can be based on work. So time of uh, the time that we spend based on number of attacks that we handle, or it can be even an unlimited offer for the duration that we're talking with. On the other hand, and this is where we're striving to, we want to work with companies for a long run. So there is a monthly fee. It, it varies between companies because if there is a huge bank in the world which is getting attacked thousands of times a month, and if there is a small organization which is got just getting started and getting attacked a few times a month, they will not pay the same. So we're trying to tie ourselves directly to the risk that they have and definitely grow with the company. So it's supposed to be something which is reasonable and we are trying to build a long lasting relationship. So if we show the value, if we keep them safe and help to protect their community, 
hopefully they would be happy with us and they would work with us on a long-term basis. And many of our clients, including the ICOs that we've worked with, are working with us on a long-term basis. So in the next six to 12 months, how do you see your your product offering and services and features that you offer improving and what new types of services do you think you'll be able to offer clients and how do you think you'll be improving the level of quality that you uh, deliver? So all the time we're uh, adapting uh, our solution and making it better and better and making it faster and more scalable. And as we grow uh, with the number of clients, it needs to be more scalable. And we also want to maintain the level of service. Uh, and we are considering ourselves a premium service to customers. Uh, and they're getting the full attention, every one of them from the smallest to the largest, but also adding more capabilities and definitely moving with the attackers. The attackers are adapting and are attacking in different areas. So we will move with them. It's making a lot more smartness into into the system and adapting our algorithms. It's approaching also with the solution to smaller markets, co- companies that might have a smaller problem than a company like MyTheWallet or a big bank, but also provide them something that they can have in an affordable price and definitely growing into areas which might also be in the areas of internal security, which we're not focusing like email protection and things like that, and definitely growing our security suite. We are suckers for security. We've spent in all sorts of areas and definitely move and evolve outside of this niche, which is a niche, but it's a very big niche and expanding to other areas of security. So what is your, so as the CEO and founder of the company, how many team members do you have uh, currently and what does your uh, day-to-day responsibilities look like and, and, and that sort of thing? So the number of, uh, of employees we're at, we're in, a, in the middle of a, a growth phase. So we're going to hit uh, 20 people in a, in a very short time. Right now we're, uh, we're about 15 people. So definitely a big part of it is, is continue growing the company and bringing talent and have an amazing team. All of them are very, very talented people. So definitely finding the right talent to help us grow the team and finding the right partners. So we have various partners across the globe and so enriching the partnership level and, and building a, a big ecosystem. And uh, the, the big problems is how to scale the company. So we're I'm happy to say we're quite successful, but as we're growing, as we're expanding in the globe, we have growth pains and we need to fix each and every one of them. So I always like to tell uh, at least the people in uh, in the company, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a job, but it's, it's a real one that I'm the, the PA of everyone. I need to make sure that everyone can do their work on the best way, that they don't have any hurdles. And if they have a problem, I need to find the way to help them solve it or to solve it for them. And it's for every department of the company, whether it's the technical part, whether it's the business part, definitely making sure that our funding looks good and we have uh, enough to, to operate and uh, continue growth. Great. So, Alad, you've been working in this space and have worked with over 50 different cryptocurrency companies and you've uh, protected more than a billion dollars worth of assets. So tell me a little bit about uh, some of the uh, you know, specific vulnerabilities you've discovered and some of the ways that you've assisted your clients. 
Sure. So many of them are focused, as I mentioned, on, on replicated website, and we can get into the examples that in a specific uh, ICO, right at the day they, they, were, they were launching, something like 10 or 15 different websites were launched. Sometimes it's more than that. And basically, people are constantly trying to contribute and participate, and there's a lot of FUD. So they can't differentiate between the real and the fake, and it's very easy to scam them at this specific point. And there are waves of attacks. This is coming uh, in the shape of, uh, of the ICOs, but also we see in these sensitive times, the communities are very active in a social channel like Slack or Telegram. The scammers are getting into those channels and are listening and are finding the right time to basically spread a lot of fake stuff into the community and trying to either catch them in the channel or off the channel where they're impersonating executives from the company trying to mislead uh, users. We find things which are fake Google ads, fake Medium articles, and basically a lot of fake different assets. And in some cases, those are so advanced that you find a combination of those. So there would be a fake Google ad leading into a fake Medium article, which is leading into a fake website. So the story is really, really convincing. And this is yeah. happening all over. And uh, of course, we see also that happening in the exchanges of the world, which are also heavily attacked. And uh, unfortunately, we can say that there were cases that we have detected attacks weeks before they had been launched. But because the exchange is so overwhelmed with uh, uh, requests, and sometimes many companies are approaching them, when we try to pass information to specific companies, they weren't able to receive it. And unfortunately, we weren't able to help them in time. So definitely a, a mixture of, of, of use cases which are happening. Yeah. So once the scam is perpetrated, the funds are stolen, you can track it on the blockchain and then you can track it. Usually the funds go to an exchange and then once they're on the exchange, a user will convert them into like a, another, another cryptocurrency that's untraceable or exchange it to fiat or put it in, run it through like a tumbler where they can, you know, obfuscate the uh, origin of the funds. And so if you report for some of these exchanges, from what I understand, the users have to have an account. And if they have an account, they have to have it verified with their identity. So, but I'm sure there are some exchanges where that are probably preferred exchanges where some of the identity requirements are, are, are less stringent. So, so what is that process like after the funds have been stolen through these impersonation tactics or, you know, you talk about social engineering. I think that's kind of sometimes an underlooked facet of these scams is that, you know, impersonations, uh, social, it's not always just like a technical bug or like a security vulnerability exactly. or a hack. It's, it's often the social engineering will impersonating or pretending to be another person and then tricking people and fooling people. Sometimes more it's more effective than the than the just like the finding like a, a security vulnerability in the code of a website or a hacking a password and logging in and uncovering that information that way. Definitely, and uh, it relates to what I said earlier that uh, it's becoming uh, much easier to impersonate someone than to hack and to find a bug in a software. So all you need to do is to tell a convincing story and trick the user into believing something that's not true and still 
their credentials, their identity, and from there, the, the road is very short to taking away whatever they want to. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, transferring the funds to all sorts of different exchanges and different places to, to launder the money, but eventually they find a place, although there are technologies which are allowing to track the route of the tokens, but in many of these cases, you're not able to stop them. So the, the funds are lost forever. Yeah. And I mean, the, just the, the sheer quant, uh, amount of money that has been stolen in these scams is just uh, unbelievable. It's got to be in the billions of dollars, I, yes. I think. It's incredible. It, it is in the billions, yes. I wonder if like, this is just you know a handful of people that are that are perpetrating their service. You know, you mentioned before, it's like some folks who are young kids and just finding, doing something, but other times it's something a little bit more like, organized and a little bit high, higher level, higher sophistication involved. And I wonder like what these networks are like, uh, because it's just such a large amount of money. I wonder if it's just a handful of people who are... It's, it's not a handful of people. It's a lot of people that are doing it. Probably a lot more than what we think. But a lot of people are involved in it. Actually, this is their day job. So th th there was a nice story that uh, I heard from uh, a friend of mine in security that he actually got a message from a hacker telling him to go into a website and basically uh, trying to lead him into a scam. And he was uh, actually getting into a conversation with him. And at one point he asked them, oh, how many people do actually fall for this scam? Uh, what's your conversion rate? And he said, my conversion rate is about 25%. And he said, wow, really? And then he said, you know what, kid, why don't you get a grown-up grown job? Uh, and he said, where will I earn $20,000 a week? Uh, uh -huh. So, uh, again, this is a story, but it gives you the, the shape of what's happening and how easy that is and how lucrative that is. So, you know, the, we're not missing bad people in the world. So a lot of people are, are, are taking advantage of, uh, of this industry. Yeah, I mean, we've had that. We've had scam attacks happen to us. I'm sure every company in this space has had multiple attempts uh, because there's just so many scammers out there. And, you know, we've had people approach us on Telegram saying, you know, we want to list you on this exchange. Just send the funds here and we'll get you listed immediately. And then upon further inspection, you know, obviously they don't represent the exchange. So you have a lot of people posing as representatives of companies and asking you to send companies funds to them. So, you know, people out there need to really make sure that the people who they speak to are actually representatives of the company and they're not just, you know, scammers trying to uh, take funds. So, yep. you know, so what, what is, uh, Microsoft scale up and how are you guys involved and engaged with Microsoft as, and how Segasec? So Microsoft has uh, a scalarator program for startups. It's a, an evolution of uh, an accelerator they had. And they're working with more mature companies. And basically, they're trying to both mentor the companies and take them to the next level, but also connect them to a lot of different places in Microsoft, both the technical parts and the business parts, and also to see if they can partner and resell their products. So there is a program running uh, all over the world. We are uh, fortunate to be part of this program, and we're still part of it earlier uh, this year. Amazing program, getting a lot of good connections, both inside 
Microsoft, but also to organizations that Microsoft is working with. So they help us do business, actually, and uh, helping us grow the company. Great project and uh, definitely one which uh, helped us uh, a lot to scale up. So if there are any of our listeners out there who want to learn more about your product and discuss using your guys' service for their uh, company, how can they reach out to you and uh, where can they learn more? So they can either go to our website, segasec.com, or approach us over info at segasec.com, or even approach me directly. Directly, My email is allowed at segasec.com. Any one of us, especially me, I'll be very happy to share more information and help uh, the community, whether we will work with them or not. Definitely be believing and contributing wherever we can. So looking forward to hearing from you guys. Great. Sim, we'll include a link in the show notes to the contact information and the website. So thank you for joining us. My guest on the show has been Elad Schulman, CEO and co-founder of Segasec. It's a pleasure speaking to you and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure spending the time with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.